So I am uh, trying to make a few of these uh, recordings in the last week, run up to Pesach, um, to give a share while listening to myself and imagining that you are all listening to me. Um, what I want to speak about today is the subject of what we're all very busy with at the moment. I asked one of my kids uh, yesterday at lunch, uh, what does the first Mishnah in Psachim say? And the first Mishnah in Psachim tells us that uh, on the eve of the 14th of Nisan, we check for Chametz. Uh, so I said to him, well, if we're only meant to do this on the eve of the 14th of Nisan, then why are we so busy? And why has your mother been checking for chametz since Tu Bishvat, uh, la'at la'at, as we go around the house? Um, so to which some of them answered, no, no, they're talking in the missions, just talking about the official checking for chametz that we do with a candle. I said to them, I'm not sure that that's the case, and I think that the Mishnah is actually talking about looking for chametz. Uh, to which I said to them as follows as my answer, which I want to share with you. Um, if you go back to the time of the Mishnah, people did not live in two or three-story houses. They did not have refrigerators. They did not have freezers and they did not have Rami Levi or the Chutz uh, equivalent of uh, bulk buying. In which case we have to assume, and we know that that's true, that people ate from one day to the next and very often people didn't even eat in the house. They ate in the Chatser, in their yard, which means that uh, they didn't have an enormous amount to kasha. Uh, and therefore, it, it really is quite possible that the entire emphasis in the lead up to Pesach uh, in the days of the Mishnah, and even after that, was to establish that there's no chametz in the house, but really to concentrate on Pesach and, and enjoy Pesach. But we have to relate to the issue of looking for chametz because... It's our reality, and that's what's going on. Now, this is also very interesting, a question that I have posed in the past, and uh, I posed to you once again. Uh, we have a mitzvah, for example, on Sukkot, to leave our houses and go and live in the sukkah, which is what we do uh, in Israel, where the weather, Baruch Hashem, is normally okay. We mamash live in the sukkah day and night for seven days, and unless we have a bout of rain, we almost don't come into the house. We mamish living in the sukkah. It's not just a, uh, a culture of having meals in the sukkah and doing the rest at home. We're in the sukkah. We live in the sukkah. We bring a couch into the sukkah. We learn in the sukkah. We make jigsaw puzzles in the sukkah. Uh, we live in the sukkah. But there is no, and it would be almost ridiculous to contemplate, there is no um, directive to burn down our houses because we're living in the sukkah. That would be an incredible challenge financially and, uh, and it's almost absurd to think of the reality. You have to live in a sukkah, so burn down your house. So I'm asking the question not because I imagine that theoretically we should need to burn down our houses because we need to live in a sukkah, but why do we need to burn chametz uh, if we have to eat matzah? The fact that we ate matzah when we came out of Egypt, uh, we're not disputing. The fact that we want to remember that by eating matzah, we're not disputing. Uh, and there could be an issue to eat chametz for the whole week. But why do we have to burn the chametz? What is the issue of this burning of chametz, which in our day has turned into a massive part of Pesach? Uh, it is probably equal to preparation for, unfortunately, maybe even more than equal to preparation for Seder night. Because uh, Seder night, uh, by the time, you know, you, you really do have to do the bidikat chametz in your house and make sure there's no chametz around and kashal the kalim. You don't want to uh, 
uh, fall back and do an isur on of uh, chametz on Pesach, afilu b'mashu. Uh, so it's very very serious, and to a large degree, uh, most of our families spend much more time on biur chametz than they do on preparation for Leila Seder. And the rest of Chag is the rest of Chag. You know, it's, it's time to sit, be with the family, enjoy, learn Torah. Uh, but these are the two issues, right? Leila Seder and Bedika Chamez. And we're spending an enormous amount of time on Bedika Chamez. And it is, by this stage of our uh, preparation for Pesach, has taken over our lives in, in every way. Um, so we have to find moments here and moments there to record a shiur, uh, you know, in between buying for Pesach and, and, and cleaning for Pesach and so on and so forth. What is the issue of burning chametz and destroying chametz? So I want to speak about Pesach in general. Pesach in general, I have uh, spoken about in the past, again, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, is ultimately the Yom HaAtzmaut to the Jewish people. It is the first Yom HaAtzmaut to the Jewish people. It is there to celebrate the independence of the Jewish people and the independence of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt, but much more than that. There are many peoples in the centuries of history who have been released from oppression, and Pesach is not there to celebrate simply the liberation of a people from oppression or from oppressive peoples. It's there to celebrate an idea, the liberation of a people, the creation of a people. Remember, Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah for, uh, for uh, the nation. And therefore, it is a celebration of our independence as a Jewish people. And uh, as such, uh, what we're celebrating on this evening is the idea that we were liberated for. The danger that uh, is standing around the corner for any nation or for any individual for that matter who has uh, been released from immediate slavery or immediate restriction is anarchy, is wildness. You know, we are Baruch Hashem in Israel, uh, hopefully on the verge of reducing and reducing the reality of the corona limitations. And people are feeling this freedom, right? That suddenly they can, they can be places and do things and Be'ezrat Hashem, everything will keep going well. We won't go backwards because of it. But there's always a danger when you are released from freedom, from, uh, from oppression or from limitation, that it will, it will result or in, in some kind of anarchy, that people will just go and do what they have to do. Now, this isn't the point. This isn't why HaKadosh Baruch Hu released the Jewish people from, uh, from Egypt. What is going on here is, is that age-old idea that began with Avram Avinu needs to be released as well. We're not just a people being released from oppression. We are a people being released from oppression to fulfill an idea that we will be uh, defined by at Har Sinai, but will be for eternity. And uh, that idea, the beginning of that idea needs to be defined for the people as they are leaving Egypt. And uh, so... This, is, this was my experience uh, many, many years ago. I was learning Hilchot Shabbat in the Kolel, in Yeshivat Haretzion, and I was doing part, you know, there's Iyun and there's Bekiot, and there's, Hilchot Shabbat is an enormous amount of uh, uh, material to learn uh, for Smicha, and you, there's no books in the exam, or there were no books in the exam, and therefore, uh, therefore you had to know it and know it well. And I was reading the Mishnah Bura, and uh, there's a piece in the Mishnah Bura, I cannot give you the uh, chapter and verse at the moment, uh, where the Mishnah Bura 
uh, is very frustrated, the Chofetz Chaim, at the fact that people are buying challahs in a bakery. And uh, he, he's extremely frustrated by the fact that that's what people are doing. And he wants, um, he wants to encourage Chevra to bake at home. The Kava Chabas, they should bake their own challahs at home. So I got very excited about this idea. I came home, I told my wife uh, that uh, from now on I'm going to bake the challahs. I got... Uh, I got a recipe from her uncle, Zichroi Vrachav, how to, how to do it. And I, and, and, but of course, as, as a child, I had never been to challah baking sessions because that wasn't the thing that, that boys did. And uh, I had never watched my mum. My mum actually never baked uh, challah Zichroi Vrachav. She, she, one thing she didn't make was she didn't really bake bread. Um, and so I had no idea. And I'd never really thought about it. I suppose I did know about it, but I'd never thought about it. So uh, I, um, I made the challah and I plaited it with great difficulty. I'm not a very old artistic person, and uh, once the challah was ready, uh, I put it in the oven. Now, the basic mistake I made, which you will all know is a stupid mistake, is that I, I plaited the challah in its dough um, the size that I thought a challah should look like, and I totally forgot uh, the challah uh, bread rises as it's being baked in the oven. So it was quite a mess. Uh, our oven was quite a mess. Uh, challah, of course, rises. Now, now, we also know, right, we also know that uh, matzah, and that's why you should know this, it's just very, very interesting. The, the nearest place you can get to with chametz is with matzah. Matzah has to be made of ingredients that can become chametz. If it cannot become chametz in its original form, the matzah is not kosher lepesach. I mean, you can't be yotzi de chovato on it, which means the matzah has to be potentially chametzic. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Of all the food you bring to your house on Pesach, tafka, the matzah is, is the most important, that it's mamash got a good hechsher and it's looked after, kamosh tzarech, as a, a different shiur, uh, but it's a good hechsher and it's, it, it's, because matzah can actually be chames if it hasn't been controlled. That's the word I'm looking for, controlled, uh, the way it should have been controlled uh, in its preparation. And therefore, something that I think most of us have done as children, and maybe even as adults, you go to a, a matzah baking factory, or with Rabbi Shane's and, and Rabbi Horowitz, you've been and you've done matzah baking with a midrashah and made kashala pesach matzahs, real matzahs, then you know that, that the, the essential fact is that uh, the minute you put the water and the flour together, the matzah has to be needed all the time. It cannot be left alone. We have this 18-minute uh, uh, period. It, it has to be controlled. And therefore, when you compare and contrast chametz to matzah, you have this most interesting contrast, which is that chametz uh, reflects freedom, essentially, right? That it can grow, and it can grow in any way that it wants to grow, as opposed to matzah, which is essentially something else. Matzah is controlled. Now, the Hava minute, of course, would be that if I'm, if I'm deciding to celebrate freedom on Pesach, then shouldn't I have a, a, a bread festival? Because bread is freedom. And here we have a Chidush. We have a Chidush, which is, no, we have to define real freedom. Otherwise, you let a people out after they've been limited. They've not been able to do anything, see anything, go anywhere. There will be anarchy. There will be anarchy. I, I cannot prove this, and I've never read a, a thesis that would suggest that this is correct. But uh, when one looks at the behavior 
of the adolescent uh, and and over aged people, uh, adolescent plus aged people uh, after the Second World War, after Korea, where really the the world had been in a in a period of. Uh, of war and and death and control for so long, it, it's not surprising that you had this uh, this free love uh, and flower power organization that, that erupted around the Western society because people were fed up of having to do what they had to do, having to give up their lives for countries or for other countries that had nothing to do with them or for people they had never met or never saw being away from their homes. And the infrastructure of society went fathers away from their wives and, and from, their, from their children for four or five years at a time because they're in Europe from America or they're in Europe from, from England, then it's not surprising that you get to a period in the 60s and 70s where people just break out, right? There's anarchy, you know, too much control. We need freedom. So the Torah comes and says here, no, you have to know you're leaving Egypt. Uh, and remember, we ate matzah before we left Egypt. So the fact that the Torah says we're eating matzah because we didn't have time to make the lechem when we came out of Egypt is, is, is correct. At the same time, there was already a tzivui to eat matzah before we left Egypt. So matzah is an idea. It's not, it's not an accidental food that we eat to celebrate the fact that we weren't totally prepared when we left Egypt. Ali Karon, in principle, God wants us to eat matzah on Pesach. Why? Because matzah represents freedom, real freedom. Why? Because real freedom comes through control. Real freedom, if a person, uh, a person is made up of body and soul, if a person simply follows his body, uh, he needs to sleep more as far as his body is concerned, so he just sleeps till he gets up. He needs to eat more, so he eats till the food is coming out of his nostrils, and uh, a person just keeps eating and eating and eating, and uh, that's not freedom. A person needs a cigarette, so he smokes. He ends up killing himself. That's not freedom. That is a person uh, who is being dictated to by his body. His body is controlling and directing his soul. Our lives, says the Torah, are meant to be our soul directing the body. And therefore, matzah is a symbol of freedom. Matzah is a symbol uh, that, that shows that the Jewish people, uh, this is what you're going to do. When you leave Egypt, you are going to be free, really free, but not in the way you think you're going to be free. You're not going to be eating five-course meals like uh, the pharaohs ate, and you're not going to be wearing the clothes that the pharaohs wore. It's a different kind of freedom that if someone is able to attain, if someone is able to achieve this freedom, they will reach a, a happiness in life. If a person is free, free of society, free of peer pressure, uh, a person does what is true and not what people want them to do, uh, or under peer pressure, or not what he wants to do, but he is in control of himself of his body, that is true freedom. I don't want to speak about matzah so much, I want to speak about chametz. If we've defined matzah as the bread of freedom, then chametz, at least for the festival of Pesach, is the enemy. It's the enemy, and therefore chametz is something that has, we have to be rid of. But chametz uh, is, as Chazal say, it is um, referring to, alluding to, the Sahara that a person has a Yetzirah, and that is their Chametz. Now, if we take that to be the case, now we start to understand that Badikat Chametz is very important. We're not just celebrating Matzah on Pesach. We have to get rid of Chametz, because Chametz 
defines the wrong type of freedom. Chametz defines the situations where um, we lose control of our body, we lose control of what we really should be doing, our body is dictating to our soul. Bedikat Chametz is about checking out ourselves. Now here there is a most phenomenal essay by Nativot Shalom at the very beginning of Chelek uh, Beit, of the two volumes of Nativot Shalom, not on Parsha, when his first, well, I think it's his first essay on, on Pesach, it's called Bechorin over Sadakim, and there he takes the halachas of Badika Chames and he refers to how a human being should be looking out and checking the Chames inside of them. Now we say, there are ways to do Badika Chametz. So he says, number one, you have to do Badika Chametz. The official Badika Chametz you have to do with a with a ner, right? With a candle. Bechorin Ustakin. You have to look in the most uh, small places where Chametz could fall. So he says, we're not just talking about searching out a loaf of bread that is lying in the kitchen. The overt sins that a person does when the person is not saying brachot, when the person is not keeping halacha, and they know that they're doing something wrong. That's a loaf of bread lying in the kitchen. It's baror, it's clear to everyone that this loaf of bread has to be moved away, it has to be uh, set aside, burnt, destroyed before Pesach. We're looking for crumbs as well, crumbs that make up a gazette. We're looking for, if we want to use a certain vessel, we have to machshir. What does machshir mean, making something kosher for Pesach? It means um, getting rid of absorbed chametz inside a vessel. If I want to take my cutlery uh, that I use for Shabbos, which we do every year, and I want to make it kasha la Pesach, so I have to wait 24 hours, I have to clean it very well, wait 24 hours, it has to be totally, right, totally uh, silver or metal. If it's got plastic attached to it, that's problematic. It's very hard, if not impossible, to kasha that. But let's say I have a, I have a, a, a silver or a metal knife and I clean the knife well and the knife is clean. I have to then wait 24 hours so it's not 10 times with gun that I haven't used it in the last 24 hours. And then I have to take it and do Haga'alah. I have to put it in boiling, boiling water and take it out. What am I doing there? The assumption here is, or halachic assumption, which is also a din of basabachalav of tarovas, not just chametz on Pesach, is that when I've used the knife, eat it, I've, I've cut chametz in. So this chametz has been absorbed inside the knife. I have to get that chametz out. Says Nativot Shalom, we're looking for that chametz in ourselves as well. Not just the overt chametz, the bread on the table, the pizza in the freezer. We're, we're, we're talking about chametz balua, the chametz that is inside of us. It's these uh, subtle mistakes that we make, these subtle issues that, uh, that, that, that are bringing us down. It could be the temper, it could be jealousy, it could be desire, it could be something in our thoughts that we don't feel there's a necessity to deal with because after all it's only my thought, there's no real action taking place. And here uh, Chazal tell us, no, 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 you have to look for that chametz as well. And uh, you have to look for that chametz and you have to search for that chametz. And when you find that chametz, you have to burn it. You have to get rid of that chametz. And so, isn't this interesting that if we go back to what I said right at the beginning, that uh, Pesach is essentially the Jewish New Year for the nation, it's the national New Year. In the run-up to the individual New Year, which happens in Tishrei, we have this whole month of Elul. If you're a Esfaradi, then you will be saying... Uh, Selichot for the entire month of Elul, from the day after Rosh Chodesh, right through Elul. And if you're Ashkenazi, from uh, 
the week, a week or so before Rosh Hashanah, depending when Rosh Hashanah is going to fall. And there's a preparation of Slichot before Rosh Hashanah, which is an individual preparation. Here we're saying something very, very similar. Pesach is the beginning of the national year. So what do we do in preparation for Pesach? We have to clean out the chames. We have to get rid of our chames. Um, I've never reached, I have to be honest with you, my wife was saying on Shabbos how she finds it spiritually uh, uplifting, uh, cleaning the chametz, and uh, I'm not on that madriga. I, I, I can do it for a certain amount of time, cleaning chametz, and then I just uh, have to break. I can't, uh, you know, after a hard term in the Midrashah, two weeks of scrubbing is just about the most I can do. My wife is two and a half months, and therefore we have a Baruch Hashem, uh, a Mahadrin and, and kosher house for peace. Uh, but look at look at the similarity here. Before Rosh Hashanah, before the new year, before we enter the new year of an individual, there is time for Cheshbon, Nefesh, or Slichot. And here, before the new year for a nation, there is time for looking out for our for our chametz, searching the chametz, and scrubbing out that chametz. And if you if you uh, if you have to clean out the fridge, you're looking and you're looking for for crumbs in the fridge. It's very important, right? Because in your refrigerator, uh, remember crumbs on Pesach are not battle, right? They're they're asuba mashu, and uh, there's so many things with crumbs today in the freezer, in the fridge, or these uh, these uh, schnitzel tiras and these veggie schnitzels with the bread crumbs on them, and you have to really clean it out. Right? It's very important to clean it out properly because you're going to put Pesach dicker stuff into the into into the fridge and it could fall into the food. Chalida, we don't want to be over even an isudra banan of mashu on the. On, on Pesach, and therefore you end up on your hands and knees, we're cleaning the fridge, searching for the crumbs, getting rid of all the little pieces, um, and this is a lesson of what a person needs to do with themselves, is, is look inwards, search for those crumbs. At the end of the day, Pesach is seven days. I only have to live in a house, kosher the Pesach for seven days. I have to live with myself for the rest of my life. And I have to achieve whatever I can achieve uh, with with all that work, and, we, and and that's why this period in the lead up to Pesach is is so important. Um, it's preparation, but it's only preparation of the right degree if one can apply oneself to this lesson that Nativot Shalom is talking about, where a person is thinking about uh, about cleaning up the chametz habalua, that absorbed chametz inside of a person, so that we, we're starting a new year as the trees start to blossom in Israel. This is one of the most beautiful seasons of the year, and the harder the winter, the more beautiful the spring. I spoke about that once using a Rav Hirsch on Tubishvat. You know, when you look, at the, you look at the trees in the middle of the winter, everything seems dead and the wind is blowing and the rain is pouring down or you have snow and so on and so forth and uh, if you'd never had uh, a summer or a spring before you would think it's the end of the world there's not a sign of life anywhere and then suddenly the uh, and there are midrashim that talk about this with Aramarishon and then suddenly the, 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 the spring starts to come things start to warm up the Shkedia Porachat we make Birkata Ilanot at the beginning of at the beginning of at the beginning of Nisan and, uh, and suddenly you see the winter was 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 uh, recuperation, and and now we have blossoming that is coming as a result of the hard winter. The harder the winter, on the contrary, the harder the winter, the more beautiful the spring. And 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 we're at the beginning. It's the spring. It's the beginning of the spring of the Jewish people. And to be at the beginning, we have to prepare for that beginning. Certainly, on a national level, it, it, it can't be less important than the individual, right? Uh, if the individual has to work so hard in Elul to be ready for Rosh Hashanah, so Kanire, our scrubbing and our cleaning, um, 
has to prepare us for entering Nisan and entering and entering Pesach in the correct way. Uh, so that's what we should be doing now. We're, we're trying to prepare, however frustrating it is. It's like, it's like trying to, to use uh, this physical act to get rid of that chames. So we enter Pesach uh, freshly and, and, and we eat the matzah and we're in control. We're in control uh, of what's going on. My wife started a minhag in our house a number of years ago. I don't think we're the first who've done it. I think other people have done it. I've shared it with students in the past uh, where everyone in the family writes a letter to themselves of all the things that they're doing wrong and how they want to improve, improve them. And then we burn that letter with the chames. We try to burn our individual chames with the physical chames. So that as we enter Pesach, uh, we're entering the beginning of a Jewish year. And at the beginning of a Jewish year, we want to be free of our chames. Of course, eventually we have to eat chametz, right? You can't live your life eating matzah unless you have, uh, or you can't eat your life without bread unless you are a gluten-free person, in which case we're going to have to be able to celebrate bread, celebrate the freedom that bread uh, reflects, but we will only do that on Shavuot, when we will bring bread as a korban. Uh, on, on Atzeret, we will bring our, uh, our kivze Atzeret and we'll bring our, our bread uh, on Shavuot, because bread can exist if you have the Torah in your hands. Uh, you can have that life where you allow yourself a little, more, a little bit more physical freedom if you have the directives of the Torah, halacha, which will enable you to walk through life as a human being. So I'm hoping, Be'ezrat Hashem, that I'll be able to share a few more of these uh, brief shiurim with you over the next few days as I take a, an hour here or half an hour there and I find a place that's quiet uh, uh, in order to share with you some ideas regarding our upcoming Pesach. Thank you.